Welcome to the Send and Grow podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Redikoff. In my day job at Sparkloop, I spend all my time analyzing how the best newsletter operators and media brands in the world grow and monetize their audiences. I get a behind-the-scenes look at how they're growing their newsletters and driving revenue, and there is so much to learn from their success and from their mistakes. With this podcast, you get that access too. Every week, I sit down with a different guest from industry experts to successful operators, and we go deep on the stuff that you need to know about so you can become really effective at growing and monetizing your newsletter. Today, I'm joined by Brad Barrett, the co-founder of Choose FI. Brad's journey in content creation is as unique as it is inspiring. Starting from humble beginnings with a personal finance blog to leading one of the most successful podcasts in the personal finance space with over 65 million downloads. But what stands out in Brad's story is the pivotal role newsletters played in this success. He's here to share how newsletters not only supported his journey, but became a cornerstone of community building and engagement. We'll explore Brad's innovative approaches to newsletter growth, community engagement, and the delicate balance of monetization while maintaining trust. Brad, it's fantastic to have you with us. Uh, to start off, I'd love to hear how you got started on this whole content journey. Dylan, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. This should be should be a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I've never really dove into the business, if you will, of of newsletters and and how it's helped me. And and actually, what was funny was before we hit record, we realized just how significant newsletters have been on my journey to content creation, basically. And so, yeah, hopefully we can have some fun here with the with the chat. But just to give a little background on me, so I, for I guess the last almost 11 years, have been creating content, if you will, on the internet. And it started with a little personal finance blog. Well, frankly, it started well before that with <laughs> Tim Ferriss, 4-Hour Workweek-esque, like dropshipping sites, and then like horrible like content farms yeah. and just like you know ridiculous the bowels of the internet but i really look at it as like about 10 10 or 11 years ago i started a personal finance site called richmond savers and wound up getting into the world of travel rewards some people call it travel hacking and wound up actually helping people one on one <laughs> with travel rewards thinking okay this site is never going to get millions of visitors. I'm not the points guy. I'm this, you know, dopey little Richmond Savers site. But maybe I can take my my CPA brain, I'm an accountant, and kind of merge it with, oh, I am getting thousands of visitors a month. Maybe I can turn this into a business. So I actually wound up offering free travel rewards coaching, where I'd literally at my lunch hour jump on the phone with people on a free call. I, I would then type up a plan for them to take a trip to Disney World or Paris or wherever, Hawaii. And when they use my affiliate links to sign up for cards, I would be compensated. So it was, okay, there's a business here. And then what was wild was I, I realized, okay, I can't scale this one-on-one, obviously. So I started in January of 2015, I started a website called Travel Miles 101. And back then, this was like cutting edge. I, I had what you and I in 2023 know as an email autoresponder series. Yeah. It was nothing, right? But it was a 30-day course on travel rewards. And Dylan, I kid you not, in February of 2015, I was literally creating this course like day by day, like, oh man, I've got to send this email that the autoresponder goes out in the morning. Wow. It has to be done. I was creating it on the fly. And what's cool is, I created that course and then it stayed intact to a large degree for really the last eight years. 
we put almost 50,000 people through that email autoresponder series. And I think we have a Facebook group with about 30,000 people for, for Travel Miles 101. So really, a large part of my success in the online world has been because of an email newsletter, essentially. Right. And I didn't even realize that at the time until we we just talked about it uh, 20 minutes ago. It's really funny how email has been like an integral part. And, you know, most people know you about from the podcast that you have and everything like that. And and yet this was kind of the, the foundation and the beginning of it all, the inception, so to speak. It, yeah, it, it absolutely was. And then, yeah, just to, to finish the little about me here is what most people know me for now is my podcast, which is called Choose FI, like make a choice, Choose FI for financial independence. And yeah, what's wild, it, and this just shows like just how much impact you can have just from a spare bedroom, in my case, in <laughs> Richmond, Virginia. Like, I think I think our show has been downloaded 65 million times over the last seven years. And we've become really one of the biggest, I guess, one of the biggest podcasts, certainly in the personal finance world, if not just generally. And you know, we actually have real world impact. We have 300 Choose FI local groups wow. in 300 cities across the world. And actually, we can dive into that also because that's another way that I'm now using email. Like previously, most of these were just stuck on Facebook. Right. And they're just these these groups on Facebook. But you know with the Facebook algorithm, it's, it's so difficult, even with the new at everyone tag, it's so difficult to get in touch with people because mm -hmm. Facebook throttles everything. And I mean, no joke, literally in the last week, I've decided, okay, I need to get these people on an email list. And, you know, frankly, I should have done this six years ago, right. but that's neither, <laughs> neither here nor there at this point. And so that's a new part of my, my newsletter strategy as well. So I'm, I'm literally going through like ConvertKit, creating a landing page for each one of these 300 groups. And it, it's just, you know, a tag for everybody. It's, it's really wild. So email and newsletters have become like a really integral part of, of my strategy going forward. And it, it's all kind of happening now in real time, you know, in, in no small part, and this is not an advertisement, but in no small part, thanks to Sparkloop and, and ConvertKit. And like, it just made me so much more interested in it. Like it's, it's, it's fun again, you know? That's, that's really cool. So would you say um, it's been much more recent experience for you to focus on newsletter growth and and if so what brought you there maybe you mentioned facebook but you know you started the podcast in 2017 dabbled a bit with email but then now you've like kind of realized that newsletters are a thing to focus on yeah yeah it's a great question and it's probably a a, a bit of a winding and long answer but but hopefully this will be interesting in that yeah I, we just kind of always dabbled with our newsletter for for years we probably got, I don't know, about 50,000 newsletter subscribers over the first handful of years, just kind of with no real strategy, frankly. It was just like, okay, we have a lot of listeners. People go to our website and they sign up. And yeah. they, it was like, there wasn't really a product. There wasn't a, you know, we had a couple lead magnets, but nothing ever really stuck. And there was no weekly or any kind of cadence to a newsletter. And I guess it was probably about, Three years ago, I think I would say three years that I personally took over. Okay, I need to start, need to and want to, frankly, start writing a weekly newsletter. So every Tuesday, I send out what we call the Fi Weekly. And I think it's just like a little touch point with our community. I think to me, community is everything. That's, that's, I, I'm 
maybe a little more naive with like the business side, but like, I think the good things run off of, like, I always look for win-wins. Yeah. So good things run off of, Hey, how can I provide value? Mm -hmm. How can I get like the biggest thing that I have going for me is that my community likes, trusts and respects me. And they know that I'm not hawking things. I'm not trying to sell them things. Like, they know that I'm literally sitting down personally and writing this email. Unfortunately, I usually do it on Monday and it comes <laughs> out 6 a.m. on Tuesday because I'm a procrastinator. But like that, I'm literally sitting there and writing this thing. Yeah. And I, like I tell people, hit reply. Hit reply to this email. I want to hear what's going on. And I want to really, we, we call it crowdsourcing. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a stupid phrase that is stuck in our, our, our little world. But like we try to crowdsource the podcast and the newsletter. And what a large part of that means is actually me curating things from the community. Yeah. And a lot of those are like our, we call them our weekly wins. So every single week I ask the audience to hit reply right back with, hey, what was the one action you took this week to make your life better? whether it's personal finance, you know, we're in the financial independence world, but health or relationships or whatever, just anything. And like, man, Dylan, I get the most interesting emails back every single week. And then I highlight six of those the next week. Wow. And it's just this cool, like, you know, Nathan Barry would call it a flywheel. Like it just works and it, it's awesome. And like, you know, as much as I'd like to believe people are coming for my little curated sections at the beginning of the newsletter, like I think frankly, people are really coming for that little bit of inspiration. Hmm. And like, that's a piece of advice I would give to all the newsletter operators listening to, to this is, man, see how you can get your community involved. Yeah. Like people want to hear stories, people, whatever journey they're on. I don't care what kind of content niche you're in like people want to be part of something they uh, want to be included right yeah absolutely and that it's so interesting you shared so much value just there that there's a few different tangents i'd love to just uh, go off on i'll start with just that that point of feedback because you know whether you're you know, cognizant of it or not what you're doing is from like a technical standpoint getting people to reply to your emails is going to going to improve your deliverability it's going to increase you know buy in from your subscribers to respond when they see that other people are getting featured in you know ne next week's newsletter that even incentivizes them that much more so you've really like you said uh, the Nathan Berry's term the flywheel also one other metric that goes overlooked a lot of people love to talk about open rates and click rates and that that sort of engagement but in some ways those can also almost now become vanity metrics in some ways. Whereas something that's a little bit more meaningful to really know how engaged your readers are is the open to reply rate, right? Like how many people are actually replying to your newsletter, whether you're asking them to or not. And I think it's just a really underused strategy. I think Anne Handley, I don't know if you're familiar with Anne Handley. She's a B2B content marketing professional. She's been around for years, a uh, really great writer and author as well. And she has a newsletter and she says her number one metric is my open to reply rate, basically. So you're a great example of somebody who's like really doing that great. Yeah, that's super cool. I, yeah. I like that as a metric. And, and yeah, it just, it feels like you're part of something, mm -hmm. both from the content, you know, the newsletter creators side but obviously the people on the other end that this is not just like someone from on high sending out an email, right? Like yeah. I literally want people, I want their feedback and like, and I feature it not just in those wins, but like 
people send things all the time and I'm always giving the, oh, Kelly wrote in with this, this little piece of extra because we don't view our community as this is Brad and, and my former co-host, Jonathan, but Brad and Jonathan, again, talking from on a high as some financial experts, mm-hmm. like we're living this journey with you. Yeah. And I think that connects with people. Like I'm always looking for these points of connection. And I think, you know, podcasting is unique in the sense that people really, when you're in their ear, they know you, mm-hmm. they trust you, they understand the, the cadence of how you talk and like what's going on in your life. And like, and I take that really seriously that people trust me because it, it can take years to build and you can lose that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. No, it's, it's totally true. And so the value there in that trust is, is really, it's, it's priceless <laughs> to a, to a large part. Um, it's what, a, you know, the foundation of what your business is built on. Right. So you've talked about Brad, how you, you respond to all these, these replies to your newsletter. When you ask, you feature people in your newsletter. And so that gets people, like you said, to trust you. And so in terms of the revenue for the newsletter, obviously you're doing this as a business as well. So how do you, I guess, respect the trust that people have for you and also make a living from your newsletter? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. And it's something that I, I do think about a lot. And, and, Again, because my most valuable currency is that that trust of the audience. So, and, and this is not to say that my way is better than anybody else's. Obviously, it's just this is the particular path that we've chosen. Mm-hmm. And frankly, we've done it at a great expense to ourselves to a large degree. So the overall holistic thought of this is, so I say that, but there will be a caveat. So. Had we wanted to go all out with podcast ads, so I know we're, we're, I'll get back to the newsletter, but podcast ads. It's media still, right? Right, right, right. So across 65 million cumulative downloads, that would have been many, many millions of dollars Mm -hmm. had we done five or six ads per podcast over seven years. We have essentially, I wish I could say zero, but we have essentially had zero ads. Hmm. Wow. For a very short time during COVID when our business got disrupted and we needed to keep people on the payroll or contractors paid, let's say, we put ads for a very short period of time. So I wish I wish I could still say we had zero ads, but we have had essentially zero ads. So I mean, quite literally millions of dollars foregone. That said, like you said, this is a business mm-hmm. and and it's not altruism entirely, right? So what we've done is again those win-wins of okay, we talk a lot about just a few, a few different services and products that we personally use. So again, this is not like, hey, we're hawking something just because this advertiser sent us an email and we want to pay you 20 grand to do this. This is, all right, Jonathan, my co-host used M1 Finance. So as a, a trading platform. So that is something that we get paid when people sign up for M1 Finance. We have a tracking a free net worth software called Empower now is personal capital. Like, you know, they, anybody who listens to my show could probably tell you the five or six ways we yeah. make money. Credit cards being the biggest one because travel rewards are a huge aspect of the path to financial independence. So it's like, hey, if Brad is opening up a Chase Sapphire Preferred, I'm probably going to too. 
And oh, it would just be super simple to go to choose.com slash cards yeah. as opposed to just Googling Chase Sapphire Preferred. It's the same, it's the same difference, right? So like they want to help us, basically. Yeah. So was it really millions of dollars of foregone revenue without the with the ads? Probably not, because I don't know that people would have really wanted to go to bat for us on the affiliate. You can never prove the counterfactual, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But like like would people have been as likely to sign up and go out of their way? Because there's a lot of friction on a podcast, right? Like to go from somebody's ear to them signing up for something, there was a ton of friction, right? Like, you know that, like to get people to do any kind of call to action, like follow through on it is really, really hard. And we've seen like a significant outperformance over what we would have expected. So anyway, like that's kind of the background. And then I take that to the newsletter, which is, you know, frankly, if you looked at my click-through rate, it probably would look abysmal because I just don't put that many things to click on all that often. But when I do, I think it performs dramatically better than it otherwise would have had I just been littering the email with, so I'm very judicious with, with the things. And you can expect that if there's some massive new credit card signup bonus that I think is remarkable, that I'm going to mention that in my newsletter. And yeah, I think at last count, you know, we don't have a massive newsletter, but it's, it's 62,000 people, which is not nothing, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to get a boatload of people signing up for that credit card yeah. when I mention it because they know I'm not mentioning just, oh, here's the way for Brad to make money this week. Yeah. It's maybe three, four, five times a year. I say, this is something remarkable, so good that it rose to the level of, I only put three sections in my newsletter every week. It rose to the level of being one of those 150 per year, basically, yeah. that I need to include, right? And, you know, we've seen, obviously, some significant, I mean, five-figure mentions just from one of those credit card mentions. And again, I'm not doing it every time. Yeah. I'm doing it only a couple of times a year. But, but it turns the newsletter into something that cumulatively makes a nice bit of money. So it's, uh, I think it's a strategy that works because it's genuine. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dylan, at the, at the heart of it, like it is, this is a win-win for everybody involved. And that's how I like to approach business. Yeah, I like that. And I, I've seen, you know, so many, I think before we hit record, you mentioned, you know, the the content farms of the mid 2010s and, and 20 teens yeah, or what, yeah. what have you. And, and, you know, there's still people that are trying to sort of play that game. And, you know, there's the odd person who will succeed with that, right? But I think what you've done is, like we mentioned earlier, you've built up this trust. And I don't like the term leverage because I don't want to say you've leveraged that trust, but you've earned that trust for your subscribers. They know that something you're going to recommend to them is going to be something worth checking out because you're not pumping 15 links to different, you know, affiliate products and that sort of thing in your newsletter. So, um We've interviewed quite a few people. I think you'll you'll be uh, close to the thirtieth episode. You know, once we publish, so we've interviewed a number of people in the news newsletter space, and there's not too many that I would say have been as successful as you with the, for lack of a better term, like a, an affiliate revenue model. Right? Is there a reason you would say no to ad revenue if it was from from an advertiser who you you tr- like you know like and trust that you would that you would yeah. feel comfortable putting in your newsletter? This is something. Dylan, that I struggle with. And, and I don't, 
Because like I said before, you can't prove that counterfactual of like what would have happened had I done X, Y, or Z, right? Which makes it tough because then a lot of this is just feeling and intuition and flying by the seat of your your pants. I'm like, that's not a way to run a business, obviously. But, But I get so many emails. So I actually just moved recently to ConvertKit for the choose up high email. I've, I've been with ConvertKit on travel miles one on for like eight years, right. but just recently moved, moved choose up high. And Jonathan and I came up with this really awesome, like email template. And like, not that it had bells and whistles, let's say, but like, it just, it looked cool. Yeah. Like I, or I thought it did at least. And man, I can't tell you how many emails I've gotten saying, Hey, I love your newsletter. It's like the highlight of my week. But I really like the old version better huh. because it just felt like something that you were just sitting there and writing it to me. So the stylization of your newsletter like has been detrimental. Yeah, it like it detracted. Isn't that fascinating? That is interesting. And so so I guess why I bring that up and and again, this this is feeling. This is intuition. It's not like metrics. Yeah. But I fear that any overt attempt, especially with our community. Now, not that I, I think there's a caricature of financial independence people as like misers or depriving themselves or cutting right. every expense. And like that that's something that we've tried really, really hard to dispel at Choose a Vibe for years. But I think like an overt attempt at like commercialization it, it doesn't seem to be received very well by by our yeah. community. And it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, the methodology I have is working and it's, it's working nicely. And it, it feels like this, this like really wonderful organic spirit of like, like a true community. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I, I'm just so scared to, to break that. Yep. So, I mean, Dylan, as you can tell from my voice, like I struggle with this mightily because, because I know that I, I'm probably from a sheer business perspective. I'm probably making a suboptimal decision. I won't say a bad decision. Right. I'm making a suboptimal decision. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I know also that I can serve my community better if we had more resources that I could then reinvest in the business and do X, Y, and Z. Like, there's a clear case for that. That for the greater good, that probably would be the right decision. So. Again, I struggle with this, but the, the short answer to your question is like, yeah, if there was someone who is absolutely in line, advertiser-wise, yeah. and I, I would not hesitate to do it, but I think that for me, again, with that mindset of win-win, like I would want there to be some type of like special benefit for our people that they were getting mm-hmm. for basically putting up with this ad, if you will. Uh, you know? Yeah. So... I think that's that's kind of how I would look at it. Yeah, it's but it's to to be determined. I, I think uh, it's something I'm thinking about constantly. So we've talked about affiliates and your your revenue model in general. Is there any other ways that you have monetized your newsletter? Monetize the newsletter? No, not not monetize. But the one kind of interesting thing that I've done recently, and and, and this frankly is is a hat tip to Sparkloop is. I'm trying to establish, and and still the the, the tech is still it, it's just about there. Like, okay. and, and basically, what I'm trying to do is do cross promotions okay. with other 
other email newsletters that I, again, with like trust and respect, like I'm not just going to send people to any old newsletter. Mm -hmm. Like it has to literally be one of the 12 or 15 that I read. Because again, people can tell when I'm just hawking something versus something that's real. And like, and I, th I think cross promotions are an interesting way to grow your business generally. So even just going to podcasting. So I wound up doing a cross promotion with my first million. So huge podcast, certainly in the business world. And what's really interesting is those kind of cross promotions usually convert at about six tenths of 1%. So it's, it's not fantastic, but that's just like the industry average. And when I cross promoted my first million, it converted at about four to 5%. So almost a full, like an order of magnitude higher wow. than, than the average. And it was because like, I wasn't worried about that ad being 30 seconds or it has to be exactly a minute. Like I sat there and I talked about my first million because frankly, it's one of my absolute favorite podcasts. Yeah. And like it was the easiest cross promotion in the world to do because I listened to it three times a week or as many times as they put it out. I mean, it came from a place of authenticity and you're, your audience would recognize that in your voice, I'm, I would assume immediately, right? Exactly. And that, like, and what does that mean? So, okay, that's great. I sent my first million a whole boatload more of uh, listeners than, than they probably, quote unquote, would have expected or deserved based on a, a normal, a normal cross promo. But I think what that means now is, even though Choose FI is a, is a pretty large, massive podcast, like, I can punch above my weight. Yeah. I can potentially, like, my cross promos are worth a lot. So I can use that metric when I go talk to whomever. I, I have one coming up with Bigger Pockets, which is a massive uh, real estate podcast. And like, who knows where we go from there, right? So, hmm. and what I've done to get back to the newsletter is cross promos, again, using like the magic link. I think that's the coolest aspect of one of the coolest aspects of Spark Loop is like that one click sign up. Yeah. And my good buddy, uh, Clint Murphy from the growth guide, and he's huge on Twitter. I think he has like, I forget exactly, but 350, 400,000 yeah. followers there. And I wound up putting similar to the, my first million, I wound up putting a very significant little blurb about Clint generally something that he had mentioned on Twitter that I thought was great adding value. It's like the Gary Vaynerchuk jab, 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 right hook. Yeah. Right? Like I'm jabbing all day, you know, like it's like 700 jabs basically. <laughs> and then you get that very impactful right hook. Right. But like, so, and then I mentioned, Oh, and Clint's newsletter is one of the ones that I read religiously. And, you know, I don't know the exact wording I use, but I'm in sparkle right now. That one mention, that one magic link sent Clint, 1,118 newsletter subscribers. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> is crazy town. Yeah. And, you know, and then what does that mean? Like, again, Clint's a buddy of mine, but like now in ConvertKit, we are referring each other as free subscribers and mm -hmm. he sends people to me at a crazy 50 plus percent conversion rate. Wow. Like it's, so it's wild. And like, you know, it's not a sense of indebtedness, obviously. It's just, it's, it's synergy, mm -hmm, right? Like mm -hmm. we are now going to refer each other forever. And like when I can get a group of five or six, this is how, and I've been chatting behind the scenes with, with some people at Spark Loop, like what would it look like to have a, like a little section in my newsletter where 
it's just, it's these magic links. And it's just a little one-line thing of the five newsletters that I, that I love the most. And again, I'm trying to, I basically tell my audience, like, I'm trying to send you to the best newsletters I can find. Mm-hmm. And they're sending people my way that they think would be good fits for the financial independence community. So it's this virtuous circle, yeah. right? Like that's how I view it. And it's like, man, if you could have that, and then I'm featured in Brian Ferraldi's newsletter and Steve Adcox and Clint Murphy, yeah. and like Chris Hutchins and all the hacks, like, you know, th- like that's how I see that as like, man, how cool would that be? And I think, I, th- I think we're just about there in terms of like actually making it happen, which is cool. That's really awesome. I I was going to dive into growth next on the the growth side of the newsletter. I think you just touched on one of your yeah. I think I might have just uh, buried the yeah. buried the lead a bit. Um, well, so let's let's dive in a little bit more about um, growth then. So you you talked about this cross promo opportunity uh, using magic links in other ways as well. So is there anything else that you're doing? Obviously, your your podcast is a you know you've got a large audience there. I would imagine a lot of those have crossed over into newsletter subscribers as well. But what have you been focusing on recently, perhaps other than cross promotions, if there is anything that that you found that's been working? Yeah, you know, this is something that is top of mind for me, and I, I'm I'm exploring. Okay. I think we one area we were, we we have not done as well as we should have is with like lead magnets, if we're still using that that phrase mm-hmm. in in 2023. I don't think we've ever provided like anything significant enough of value other than I have a uh, download. Actually, the one thing that, that we've used, which has been really useful is I have a PDF download of basically we call them $2 per person per meal. It's like a cookbook almost. Nice. So it's basically like the 30 year or so recipes we've curated over the years that are fantastic. And I mean, that's gotten us probably five plus thousand subscribers over the years. And so I think we need to be a little better in that regard, but but yeah, just you know, I got and, and again, this is not an not an ad for for ConvertKit by any means, but like I just got really excited about the Creator Network. Yeah, I think it's I think it's one of the coolest things going, and like you know, I just love that ability to refer people and have them reciprocate and, and refer you. So I'm really really exploring that. You know, I've been testing Sparkloop and paid paid acquisition. Mm-hmm. I'm in the very early stages of that. We've had, I think I've signed up about 2,000 subscribers. And, you know, I, I think I maybe got a little bit ahead of myself in the sense that, like, I don't have exact metrics to to determine, like, hey, does this make sense, right? Like, or do I have the full, because again, this I'm so used to getting warm leads that I, I don't think I've adequately prepared cold traffic to be like welcome them to the financial independence community. So I think I can be a lot better in that regard. The one kind of fun thing that I'm doing recently is I mentioned at the top of the podcast that that we have 300 local groups in 300 cities across the world, which is like a really interesting part of ChooseFI and our, our overall kind of footprint and I mean, these are people who are having real in in real life meetups mm-hmm. all across the world under the banner of financial independence and choose advice specifically, and which is super cool. I mean, it's just it's like one of the the best things we have going. But you know, frankly, like just through inertia and just how things work, like we wound up setting these up on Facebook years ago, six plus years ago, wow. and that's again, like I said, through inertia, like that it's always worked, right? But I think a lot of people realize now, like, man, Facebook's algorithm is so hard. Mm. 
And they just, they really do throttle how many people see a post, even from the group owner or, or admin, right? It just makes it, uh, you know, you're shaking your head. It, it yeah. just makes it so frustrating because you don't really, you don't have a way to really truly get in touch with these people. And, you know, just in the last week, and I, I kid you not, it, is I've been trying to figure out a way, how can I get these these members of our groups onto email lists, mm -hmm. like and very specific email lists for each particular group, and then give some type of access to each of those the administrators of the the local groups to maybe to be able to send out emails because it can't be me, yeah. it can't be the single point of failure. You can't manage right? three hundred like, uh, email lists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh God, yeah, I'm at my wits end as it is. Yeah. So, but nevertheless, like I, you know, I, I've been I've tested the first couple of these, and like even just our local Richmond. One, I wound up putting a post. So I created a new landing page, a new tag and convert kit for that Richmond local group and just dropped it into this group mm -hmm. with the, the link to the landing page. And just in the first 24 hours, we got like 150 people to sign up for it, cool. which I mean, considering like this is a little Richmond, Virginia, like that was a, a not insignificant percentage of the Facebook group signed up for the email newsletter and that email list to now get, hey, we're having an event at yeah. the local brewery or we're having a potluck or a case study on someone's personal finances. Like we can now get in touch with them. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Dylan, it's awesome. Like, you know, we have this community that's dispersed, but like, how do I get them so I can actually get in touch? And I, I, I think this is going to work to the tune of many, many thousands of, of email subscribers, which mm -hmm. is, which is really pretty awesome. And what's the, what's the long, I don't use the word play, but what's like the long play of, of these local meetups and that sort of thing? Is it building, just generally building affinity for choose FI and the financial independence movement or? Yeah, that's how it's always been. I think we have determined that I think for people pursuing financial independence, you often feel like you're the only one mm. in your local area. And you're like, you're this little island unto yourself. Like, we don't think that we're doing anything weird. We think we're living wonderfully, like yeah. optimally. But like, but it's like, let's not lie. Like, it's countercultural. Like, it's, it is unusual to not spend all your money. Like, I can't <laughs> believe I have to say that out loud. Like, it is unusual to not spend all your money, which is ridiculous and preposterous. But like, so people pursuing financial independence, people being mindful of their money, people looking to for more important things in life, like how can they spend their most precious resource, time? Like these are these are kindred spirits, right? And like, so I think what, what the original goal of setting up these local groups was, hey, how can we create in real life meetups mm -hmm. with people who are like-minded? Like I just wanted other people to hang out with who weren't just living the same like consumerism lifestyle as everybody else. Right? right. And like, it's pretty cool to, Hey, we all love a lot of people in the five community love board games. Let's, let's have a board game. Nice. Like, you know, like little things like that. Like let's have a potluck dinner. Let's whatever it may be. So it's always been about community building, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, and I was just talking to my wife about this yesterday is, is okay. Once we have a way to contact people, mm -hmm in a local local area well who's to say again with with the concept of win-win because everything about choose of i is win-win who's to say we can't find some amazing deal in this city or that city and send it out just to those people that 
hey, this whatever organization or this business or this restaurant, like they want to offer you 20% off to come in. I, I'm just making this yeah, up, obviously. Yeah. But like, like little things like that, you never know where, where it actually could lead. But I think the most important thing is without having them on my email list, like they're not really part of my community. Like they are tangentially, but like I have no way to get in touch with them. So yeah, I mean, Dylan, no joke. We are one week into this <laughs> experiment. So like I haven't, this is not a fully formed thought, but like that's what's so fun and exciting about it. It's like it can go any which way. Yep. And I think, I think that's cool. I think like that's what I find exhilarating about creating. It's like most of the time you're just flying by the seat of your pants trying to figure something out. And like, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like it, it's worked pretty well for us. Yeah. Choose like we had this random idea to create these, a Facebook group as, as stupid as it sounds like it's obvious now, but like seven years ago when it wasn't so obvious and we have 105,000 people in our main Facebook group. And like, we have all these local groups that probably have number more than that in total. And it's like, wow, you just never know when a random idea sitting around a, a, having a beer turns into something significant. So I think it's, I, I think there's just something like indescribably fun about this. That's cool. It's the light bulb idea that turned into, you know, the, the spotlight, right? That's, that's, that's really cool. I think I'd be curious what your advice would be to somebody who is, let's say they, they're into, for sake of the context of the conversation into, you know, financial independence and they want to start a newsletter. What would be your your advice to somebody in those shoes who they want to start a newsletter, grow it, and and eventually uh, make a living with it? That's kind of a loaded question, but uh, no, yeah. it, it, it's a great one. And uh, yeah, I mean, so I first is get started. I think we slept on this for a very long time, and you know, frankly, our email list should be many times as large as it currently is. And that's to our great detriment and to our community's great detriment. Because again, I'm sitting in and writing this. I'm adding real value, I think. Like I produce two pieces of content a week and I think they're both equally valuable, the podcast and the newsletter. And because of my inaction, I think far fewer people get the newsletter than that otherwise would have. Mm -hmm. So like that is one of the biggest things is like get started. This is like a wonderful way to connect with people. It really is. Mm -hmm. And and especially when you're small, like this was one of those things we did at even when our podcast was tiny, when we were getting under a thousand downloads and probably under 500 downloads an episode, like we made it about the community mm -hmm. and we, people wanted to feel part of something. They would, they loved being, hearing their voice on the podcast or hearing their name read aloud or something like that. And like, when you have a small audience, like that's your time to get in touch with people mm -hmm. and to try to understand like, what are they thinking? What are their pain points, right? Like you can actually reach out to people. You can have calls, like do things that otherwise when you have a large audience that like you're probably not going to have as much time as you want to, if any time to do, like do it then. Figure out like what could set you apart. Like yeah. if you're just going to be, there are hundreds of financial independence newsletters, right? Like probably more than that. Like if you're just one out of 500, like, how are you going to differentiate yourself? Yeah. And like, it might even just be like the part of the audience that, or the part of the community in our case that, that you're looking to reach, like sometimes niche down, right? Like, mm -hmm. but find whatever that niche is. There's a new, there've been very few podcasts or communities to really, I guess, rise above the noise in the financial independence world in the last handful of years. And like, there's a new one called catching up to Phi. Hmm. And it's like, 
all right, they're targeting people who are 40 and older who feel like they're behind. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow, that's really, really cool. Like there have been probably 2,000 financial independence blogs or podcasts, probably 5,000 that have started since Chooseify started to Catching Up to Fi. Really very few of them have risen above the noise, but this one has because they got their they got the niche right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that would be what I'd advise to people is like, how are you going to stand out? Like, how, what are you going to provide in value? Like, it, it has to be something. Like, nobody just wants to hear you because you're just brilliant and like they're going to flock to you because of like just how wonderful you are. Like, it, it's not going to work. Yeah. You have to, you've got to put in the work. You've got to figure out like what sets you apart and why are people going to want to open your email? Like, that's a big, that's a big lift to open an email and read it for three, five, 10 minutes. Like, why are they going to look forward to your email every Tuesday, Sunday, whenever it comes out? Like, mm. you got to make it interesting. You have to make it something of value that just doesn't feel like an ad every time. Or feel like a um, chat GPT response from what should I write right, my, right. my financial independence newsletter about this week? <laughs> well, I've taken up uh, a good amount of your time, Brad. I only have two more questions for you. One, we've been right. chatting for about you know forty minutes or so right now. Is there anything that that you think I should have asked you that I failed to, or that that you'd like to share about your your newsletter experience? I think we've covered a whole yeah. lot here. Yeah. Which I it, this has been an amazing conversation. It's it's amazing how uh, wide reaching it can be in only forty minutes. Yeah. But yeah, I I can't really think of anything. I think a lot of you know we're we're talking to newsletter operators, so most people have already gotten started, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I think for me, it was just, I, I, I wish that I would have spent more focus on it. And I think I'm, I'm only belatedly coming to that. And it's a very interesting way to get in touch with your community as far as I view it. So yeah, I don't have really anything further to add. I think we, I think we covered that pretty, pretty well at this point. Awesome. Thanks, Brad. So let's uh, share where people can find you, find ChooseFI. Okay. So I guess three different ways. So choose, like make a choice, choose FI for financial independence. Just search for that. You'll find it pretty easily. If you're interested in the financial independence concept or trying to figure out what we're all about, go way back in the archives to episode 100. That's our kind of welcome to the FI community. We'll try to share the link right in the notes so that people can get those. Cool. If anybody's interested in my newsletter, I'd be (laughs) remiss for not mentioning that. Chooseify.com slash subscribe or on any page on our website, you can just go in the upper corner and it's the FI weekly newsletter. And yeah, I'm on Twitter, Brad at Chooseify. And as you get into the community, if you're interested, uh, Chooseify.com slash local, that's where you can actually join one of those local meetups. Yeah, I guess it was four ways, not three. I threw in Twitter there, actually. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you, Brad. It's been a great conversation. Loved having you on and uh, all the best in the future newsletter success. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. This was fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Send and Grow podcast. If you like what you heard, here are three quick ways that you can show your support. Number one, leave us a five-star rating and review in the podcast app of your choice. Number two, email or DM me with some feedback with your questions or with suggestions for future episodes. And finally, number three, share your favorite quote from the episode on social media and tag both me and our guest. All of the links for that are available in the show notes. And whatever option you choose, I am really grateful for your support. Thanks and see you next week.